your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Bizell, and I just basically swallowed two soft-boiled eggs whole. Yes, I love a boiled egg. I know we joke about the hard-boiled egg bags on this podcast, but I love a boiled egg. I just love, I've been eating way too many eggs. It's become a problem, but I just eat two of them, and now I'm like... My mouth is very dry, and I hope this podcast sounds okay. I didn't mean to come through with like a whole chunk of anxiety right at the start, but it's just kind of what I'm going through, and I just wanted to share it. I hope I sound okay. I, I don't want Jeff Fox to have to put extra hours in, but he's listening to this, so I'll know. I'll know. <laughs> you'll know if this if this never makes it to air, then uh, you'll know that I'm really messed up. Anyway, we have a doozy for you this week, but beyond that, we need to discuss the fact that when this episode comes out, it means, oh my gosh. It means that only Murders in the Building is over. It means that the season has ended. If you are not watching the show, I've mentioned it on here before. I know I have. Now is the time before people ruin it for you. It's a wonderful whodunit. And we're going to know who, who, who done it by the time you listen to this. So hurry up if you haven't watched it before. I probably ruin it for you in the next month because it's so good. It's so good. Anyway, I think the main thing I'm focusing on today, I'm recording this a few days before it goes live. So if you've gotten newer information, I apologize in advance. But word on the street is that Hoop-dee-doo musical review may return to Walt Disney World next year. It might be back in January. This is based off. I Listen, I never thought that I would be sourcing Yeehaw Bob. Never thought that was going to happen. The like old timey musician. Sure. Why not? But Yeehaw Bob said it. I think it was Yeehaw Bob's first show back. I'm also now like Yeehaw Bob. I believe Yeehaw Bob's pronouns are he, but I hesitated because I wasn't sure. Also, I'm realizing I should clarify because not everyone is on a first-ish name basis with Yeehaw Bob. But that is a performer who performs at Disney's Port Orleans Riverside. Yeehaw Bob just came back. Uh, Yeehaw's a crowd favorite. People love the show. It is not my vibe, but I'm very, very happy that you have Bob is back because that means that entertainment is back and things are getting better. So uh, that's that's all I got for you. I don't, really don't know how else to explain you, Bob. But if you're curious, I'd type it into the old YouTubes and prepare for a surprise. <laughs> According to Streaming the Magic, Yeehaw Bob just announced that Hoopty Doo Review should be returning in January. That is a tweet from October 14th. I could have fact-checked this, but I don't want to know if it's not true. <laughs> I choose to believe. So we're just going to go with it and hope for the best. Again, that is not confirmed. Just Yeehaw Bob. It's just what Yeehaw Bob's saying. And Streaming the Magic. So I don't know. But fingers crossed because I will take a plane to go see that show again, to get a bucket of fried chicken at Disney's Fort Wilderness, to sit and just like like toss a bandana around my head and play a washboard. I can't wait. Oh, I hope it comes back. I hope it's real. Now, speaking of things we love, this week we're going deep on Kite Tales. I'm sorry, Disney's Kite Tales, the new show at Disney's Animal Kingdom. I, oh, you know I love this. You know I love Kite Tales. And I'll I'll get into it in the intro. But oh my God, can you believe you have a Kite Tales exclusive episode? Like, oh, this is it. And in terms of entertainment, this is like the Miss Piggy of entertainment for me. I'm so excited to get into it and to chat about it with a real Kite Tales expert. What a gift. I, I don't want to keep you any longer. And frankly, I just figured out how to use my espresso machine that I've had for two years about 10 minutes ago. And so I'm going to go make some more. But I hope you stick around and I hope you enjoy it because it's only going it's only going to get better from here because we're going to talk kite tails. OK, talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. 
family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Yes, 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 yes. We are talking about Disney Kite Tales this week. You've probably heard me and a few dozen other people screaming about this new offering at Disney's Animal Kingdom. But this waterfront show packed with kites and twirling depictions of animals and sky-high delights has been the most buzzed about thing from Disney's 50th anniversary, which nobody expected, by the way. And I'm so pleased to tell you that today we are going to get into all of it, from how it was created all the way to how those crash landings came to be. If you haven't yet seen the show, which is probably 99% of you considering it quite literally just debuted, you may be a little bit confused about all of this. I got a tweet last week from Lauren Conforti, if you're listening, hello, that generally says she was stressed because she didn't understand if everyone was loving the show or loving it ironically. So let me assure you this at the top. I love this show. Yes, I cackle laughed my way through the kite's landing because it is so funny to me to see them crash, but that's part of why I love it and appreciate it and herald the entire experience from start to finish. To me, what makes Kite Tales so special is that there is nothing like it at Walt Disney World. Nighttime shows and stage shows have no element of surprise because, frankly, they shouldn't. Fireworks and music and choreography and everything else need to be timed so specifically to sync up that a surprise would mean something went wrong. It's why I love Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. Yes, it's generally funny on its own and I love the concept, but also because every experience is a little different and special. Because of the audience, the people chosen to be on screen, it's unique to that viewing, that moment in time, and something like that really resonates with me. Animal Kingdom, though? with live animals, embraces the chaos wherever possible, usually because they have to. It's why you never know what you're going to get on Kilimanjaro safaris. And if you've ever been stuck waiting for a giraffe to cross, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Nothing can be wholly predictable when animals are involved. And Kite Tales, despite having no live animal participation, takes that element of surprise to an entirely new level. We're dealing with weather here, people. An entire show that just kind of hopes the wind cooperates on its own and then raises the bar. There's something so joyful about watching this show and its glorious cast members hoist these kites into the air, which are so big, by the way, they're like Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade balloons. And just seeing them soar through the air, only to have them come right back down to earth. As you'll soon hear, I'm not supposed to make that comparison, but that's the only way I can convey how big these kites really are. 
Another similar thing on the intense copy editing front, you know how I am. I have been calling the vehicles that are in the show jet skis, and apparently they are not jet skis, but are sea doos. So that's on me. I guess it's a bit like calling a, a cranberry a craisin, but jet ski and sea do are different brands of watercraft. I'm learning every day. And these in the show are sea doos. And I have been pulling a sea don't, so my apologies. Regardless. If the kites weren't shaped like Disney characters, such as Simba and Baloo, I don't think we'd be as curious and intrigued and enamored by the entire performance. But to see Baloo, a big blue Baloo, not balloon, Baloo, dance through the air among the clouds and crash into an empty grandstand is heaven. It's heaven. I don't know how to articulate it, but it 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 is it is heaven. And let me reiterate, them crashing... It's intentional, just more of the whimsy jam-packed into this experience. To me, this show is so special because it emulates that all good things must come to an end. Seriously, I know it sounds very heady, but the high highs, the crashing lows, it's symbolic, it's poetic, and it's unlike anything we've seen at Disney for years. And especially after the last year and a half all of us have had, to see that juxtaposition, it's something special. I mean, a piece of live entertainment with a true element of surprise? You simply cannot miss this on your next trip. That's why I'm so thrilled, truly so, so, so thrilled to welcome Lindsay Vrab, Technical Director for Disney Live Entertainment, to talk to me today about Disney Kite Tales. And again, I just need to praise the people involved in this show. When you are sitting there, you can see the looks of glee on all of the cast members' faces. Everyone involved in the show, from the greeters to the people up front to everyone on jet skis, is giving 110%. And I cannot emphasize how much I appreciate their work and seeing them and how their experience and what they're giving forward makes the whole show so much better. So without any further ado, here is Lindsay talking about Disney Kite Tales. Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on Very Amusing. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I mean, I have made it very public how much I love Disney Kite Tales. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going for number one fan status over here because I love it so much. And I'm so happy to talk to you about this show. I, I need to know everything. But I guess I'll start with how did Kite Tales come together? Oh, geez, that's a big question. Um, so Kite Tales, let, let's go back to the beginning, right? Um, Kite Tales started with a group of folks, some of our show director team, some of our, our show writers, you know, some of our creative minds that really wanted to focus in on Disney characters, but specifically Disney characters at Disney's Animal Kingdom. So what you see in Kite Tales is some of our most beloved Disney characters that would really belong at Disney's Animal Kingdom, specifically looking at the Discovery Island area and all of the colors and all of the you know life that's in that area and building a show around those specific friends of ours. And in terms of the kites specifically, I, to me, one of the biggest takeaways is that you, you guys depended on a show that takes into account the weather, and the weather is always changing in that region, and I was pretty surprised to see how much wind really does affect the performance. How did you end up going with, with kites? Because... I don't really think I've seen anything like that performed in that space before. Usually it's it's flotillas or boats or things like that. But kites is something new. 
Absolutely. And that was part of the decision. So we are always looking for ways to push the envelope and do something that's innovative. And while kite flying has been around forever, you know, it's a, it's an art form that's been around for a very long time. Doing it in this specific capacity on the, on the lagoon at Disney's Animal Kingdom is something that we, you're right, we haven't done before. So that was part of the intrigue of, of doing this is, you know, what can we offer our guests that they haven't seen? So you're absolutely right that weather does, you know, take a, a, a huge bit of, of thought when we're working, not only in that specific theater, but also on the water. Uh, but lucky for us, we had a little bit of practice with uh, Epcot Forever. You'd see a very similar, though not at all the same because the kites are very different, uh, application over at Epcot on that lagoon. And we have uh, been very lucky to consult with some of the world's best kite experts to understand how to build and run all of these kites in a way that isn't just going to be one time. You know, a lot of times when you see kite festivals out on beaches, they happen for a weekend, or you might see a bunch of kites flying on the water for a few hours, uh, but we wanted to do it six times a day, every day for the entirety of the celebration of the 50th. So looking into how can we do that reliably and how can we do that in a way that is going to delight our guests. So in terms of creating the show, what does that mean for your team? Does that mean having dozens of these kites and trying it out while you're developing it? Or can you really R&D a show like this before you actually physically receive the kites? It's a little bit of both. So we're very lucky in that we were able to, like I said earlier, consult with some folks that are experts in this field. And by doing that, we were able to learn what kind of kites exist and also which ones are going to work for the application that we're talking about, meaning in the animal kingdom, on the lagoon, on the back of a sea do. So there's all of these factors at play that we had to get some input on. Uh, luckily, there's a, there's a lot of folks in the world that fly kites. So there's a lot of data to draw from, whereas you know we at Disney don't necessarily do this on a daily basis. So uh, it was great to have that input, but also the team was able to truly take those learnings and that information and then apply them to the characters and the, the movies that we wanted to see represented in Kite Tales. So the overall process, yes, absolutely. You know, those those diamond shaped kites are probably the, the, the kites that folks are most familiar with. Those are the things that you probably flew as a kid in smaller versions that you could probably get, you know, a very, you know, very, uh, you know, small, you know, maybe not so robust version off the shelf at, uh, at, a, at a box store. Um, ours are not that. <laughs> they are um, very specifically built for the show. Even um, if you look at the inflatable kites that we have, the ones that look like the giant, um, the giant characters, people try to liken them to Macy's uh, or other, you know, parade balloons, uh, which they are absolutely not um, because they, they, they don't retain air. They are physically a kite that has air passing through them at every moment. We were able to take our, our Disney characters, um, our, our wonderful art direction team. They spent hours drawing out the exactly what they wanted those kites to look like. And then we were able to apply the principles of aerodynamics to those shapes to make sure that they were going to fly. <laughs> because it's one thing if you have a kite that looks great, but if it doesn't ever take off, it's not a kite. I was wondering if there are any specific shapes of these characters that are more difficult to fly than others, because it, Kite Tales really runs the gamut. And I cannot imagine it is easy to figure out how to keep those characters fully in, inflated with wind, I guess is the best term, while they're soaring through the sky. 
Absolutely. And that is something that our, our kite fabricators that we work with, all of our, that we, we've all worked to, together to test. So we did a lot of testing on the ground before we were on the water. We did, a, we did some testing. You might have seen some footage of us with Zazu on a beach. We had to go somewhere that had a lot of wind because ironically enough, the Zazu bird kite um, is new technology. It, there are not kites like that in the world right now, except for the ones that we have. They were built specifically for kite tails. So teaching the bird to fly took a little bit longer than we expected, ironically. <laughs> um, but you know that now it's one of the 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 most reliable and one of the biggest crowd pleasers um, because it's it's absolutely clear that that is Zazu every single time. It acts like him. It looks like him. It is him flying through the air. Um, some of the shapes that of the other kites were a little bit difficult to manage. Um, in general, you don't want something that has a really big back end because the drag on that kite will just bring it right back to the ground. Um, and symmetry is really important when you think about kites. Uh, and that's just because, you know, the, the more lopsided something gets, you, it's and the wind, then the wind blows, the more it's going to go in one direction or the other. So we did have to do a bit of adjustments in some of the characterization of our kites to make sure that you know they they were going to fly um and then also start to add in that layer of we are creating our own lift by using watercraft so let's factor that in after we've come up with a design that we like um it was a very uh it was really cool uh it, the the modeling process was something that i've never done before you know we did a lot of digital modeling to create kite patterns um which yeah, it's just, I mean, come on, like it, as a kid, you know, but I think that I would sit there and this would be my job. Absolutely not. You know, but it's, it's so cool to be in the room where it all happens. <laughs> I know. Did you ever grow up being like, I'm going to have kite experts in my phone whenever I need them? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Did you work at all at Epcot forever or was this your first foray into kiting? I personally did not work on Epcot Forever, so this was my foray. Uh, some of the Team Four Kite Tails did work on the Epcot Forever show, so it was nice to have them around as well to give us some historical background on things that they've overcome, challenges they ran into, or best practices that they identified. Cool. I, I have to go back to Zazu because you said Zazu was new technology. Can mm -hmm. you elaborate on that at all? Because for someone like me sitting in the audience, I'm just having a great time. I, I'm really un unable to distinguish the different levels of tech from kite to kite. So I would love to know what makes that kite so special. What makes that kite special is that it flies by itself. So inflatable kites, if you look at all of the other kites in this show, typically have a pilot kite that fly higher than themselves. That pilot kite is really what's giving it its directionality and the kite underneath is really following along for the ride. And our operators definitely have to take into account what that, you know, character kite is doing. But what's great about Zazu is that he is it. He is, he is a combination of flying a standard kite and flying an inflatable kite. And when we're saying inflatable kites, because I know that comparing them to Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade balloons is incorrect, even though I have done it. I'm guilty of the crime. <laughs> <laughs> There's like, okay, we did it at the beginning, too, and went, wait, we should stop doing this. It's not the same thing. I know. But like when I pulled up to my first show on October 1st, I was like, oh, they're inflatable kites, thinking in the sense where you fill them up. But now hearing that the term is inflatable, but they're really just inflated with wind, right? Absolutely. Um, in theory, 
we could have them completely flat, take off, and air would fill through them and they would be able to fly. Now, because of some of the things we want them to do in show, we may give them a little bit of help ahead of time and maybe, you know, give them a little bit of air before they take off. Um, but they definitely don't have any valves or anything that close. So they're, they're not they're not helium. They're not compressed air. They, they, the kites literally have holes in them specifically so air can pass through different places. Okay. And so is that, is that what's happening inside their little houses, for lack of a better word, at the start of the show? Some of, yes. Okay. I kept being like, oh, let's see who's home for today's show. But I don't know if that's the correct term. <laughs> oh, I just love it so much. I would love to discuss how the actual flying of these kites works. I know that I believe there are two people on each jet ski during the show, but are they working in tandem or are they really working independent jobs on the same vehicle? They're absolutely working in tandem, not just with themselves, but with the other team on the lagoon, the other team members that are out there. So obviously there are, there's more than one uh, watercraft running at a time. And you can see that there's folks on the ground. There are people on the launch platforms. So they, they're working as one cohesive unit. There's a stage manager that's uh, helping call all of the cues. There are kite managers. There's a whole team of people that you probably don't ever see um, that, that help us out with that. Specifically for the folks that are flying the kites, there is a driver and there is someone on the back of the CDU that does the actual piloting of the kite. And that is just manual by hand. It's the same way you would fly a kite if you were out on a beach. Um, but with the added layer of, I have to, stay on the sea do and i have to keep the kite going a certain direction uh and we're they're following the movements of the the driver because that's that it adds to the propulsion and the lift and the directionality of those kites so absolutely um if you if you listen hard enough sometimes you can hear them yelling at each other just to give them an idea of you know they all know where everything's going all of the choreography is is very specific but sometimes you can hear them go right turn just to remind each other that, you know, hey, the right turn's coming or more speed because the kite starts to lower a little bit and they want it to go fly a little higher. Whoa. What what type of training is required to be someone who flies these kites? I ask not for myself at all. <laughs> um, it's it's a very specific set of training. Because as you can imagine, this is not something you go to school for necessarily. Um, <laughs> so there are uh, kite flying uh, groups in, in Florida, all over the country, and even in the world that uh, if you're really interested and want to become, you know, a whether at a just at a leisure level or even at a professional level, a kite flyer, um, there are groups out there that will help teach you how to do that. Oh, my God. I had no idea that uh, that kite fandom went so deep until this show. Oh, absolutely. It's it's great to see folks there uh, involved in our show that, you know, have been working with kites their entire life. Their whole family has been working with kites for basically all of their lives. And then there's some people that are brand new to it, just like me, that are, you know, jumping on the, the kite wagon and, and, and going along for the ride and, and hoping we can support them as best we can. Oh, my gosh. OK, we so we have to discuss the crash landings of the kites. We have to, because I was under the impression at the beginning that maybe it wasn't supposed to happen. Maybe it was an accident. Regardless, I think it's very symbolic of like everything that goes up must come down. Like there's high highs and low lows. I think there's like a very storytelling aspect to it. But beyond that, it it is intentional. I just want to make sure the people know it is intentional, correct? Absolutely. So you're absolutely right. What comes up, what goes up, 
must come down. Uh, that's gravity, and it's not uh, it's not just a an idea. It's the law. So gra um, so once you fly a kite in the air, uh, it has to have somewhere to go. It can't just linger up in the air forever. So the the kite landings are planned. Um, there are a few different locations around the lagoon that the kites can land uh, based on wind pattern, based on, you know, what what have you for the day. So you might see them land in different places and that's OK. <laughs> that's that's we know that's going to happen. Uh, if you listen really carefully in some of the soundtrack or the score of the show, you might actually hear some of those landings punctuated. Timon and Pumbaa. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, we, secrets uh, up in here. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite parts of the show. It makes me laugh every time. It's you know that I that I hear the boing and then I see them land. <laughs> so it's okay to laugh. Absolutely, this show is fun. This show is supposed to be lighthearted fun. That's exactly what we hope our guests take away is is they're able to experience something brand new and walk away smiling. Uh, that absolutely happened. <laughs> For me personally, I've never walked away from entertainment being like, I need to see that show again because anything might happen. It might be different than before. And I think that level of spontaneity really makes this special beyond everything you just detailed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what feels so different to some people. Um, personally, I know, you know, going past or going, you know, through the last year and a half, two years just in the world, you know, um, it feels like there have been a lot of, of rules and a lot of things that have been very regimented. And man, is it nice to see something that just sort of breathes organically and and flies just based on the wind. Uh, can you tell me if you remember the first time you saw one of them crash land and what your reaction was? Well, it's so it's funny. I, I, I completely understand the, the idea of crash landing, but it, it's so funny because to me, you know, the landing itself is, is predetermined, but then what the what the kite does in the landing is kind of up to, you know, the, the circumstances at play. So the very first time that we that we landed one in the lagoon proper. So we had done testing. We had done things outside of here, but landing in the lagoon proper, um, I believe it was Baloo. He he did a little uh, little head tumble and landed right on his back as if he was about ready to take a nap. And it was, I just, I laughed. I probably had the same reaction that a lot of people did. So I was like, oh, he's tired. Okay, he's done. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's something about seeing a familiar character fly through the air, which is very majestic, and then immediately see them do something a little unexpected. It just makes, it just really makes this show so great. It makes <laughs> it so great. I love it so much. <laughs> I'm hoping that at some point you have like number one fan t-shirt or something made because this <laughs> uh, is, it's so great to talk to you and to, you know, to hear the reaction because it's, it's not honestly, you know, we hear it on a, on a larger scale, you know, we hear the, we hear, hear the audience react, but it's really great to hear the enthusiasm of, of you as an individual. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. If you're not privy to what's happening online, there are uh, there's about a hundred of us who are very into this show. Phenomenal. <laughs> I have a I have a friend who I think went to three or four shows in a day. Um, I have someone who went after I think the same day I went or in, later and they didn't see one of the kites. And they were like, oh, I got to get back. I got to see the other kite. Like there's there's high demand to see this show in all forms. And I just love it so much. That's awesome. That's great to hear. I have uh, I just have one question. I know you mentioned a boing sound. I never heard that when I saw it, but someone 
recently tweeted at me that there was a, a boing or a splash sound or something like that when a character landed. Was that newly added or was that in there and I hadn't heard it before? Uh, it would have been a combination of both. So, you know, even the show is brand new and opening, you know, we still like to make sure that we're doing the absolute best show that we can. So some of them, you could have just not been paying attention at that point. Um, but we do always uh, make changes and updates just because we always want to keep making things better. Oh, and I'm all for that. I was also <laughs> truly screaming with glee, so it's possible I missed it on my own. <laughs> I really love this show. I, I really love it. This is very exciting to me. In terms of like being at the creative end of a show like this, were, were you at all hesitant about putting something forward that people hadn't seen before? Or was that exciting or both? I think it's a little bit of both, you know, just the, the human reaction to doing something absolutely brand new is usually, you know, one of two things. It's really exciting or, oh my gosh, I'm terrified. You know, change is a, is a big thing in, in my life. I feel like, um, so absolutely, you know, they, they told me that I was going to be part of this team. They being, you know, the, the, the creative powers that be. And I said, this is great. And then my second reaction was, oh no, no, I have to figure it out. <laughs> Um, but the good news is that, you know, we have a team, you know, that's what those folks are there for is, you know, you're not working in a silo. It's not one person coming up with a show and building it themselves. So being able to get into those uncharted waters with the group of people, you know, the art directors, the, the kite folks, the, the operations team, I mean, the, there are so many people that I'm, I'm sure that I'm missing so many of them, um, that, that come together to put together a show of this scale. Um, it's it's a really supportive, wonderful environment. Oh, my gosh. And I'm so happy for all the work you've done. Is there <laughs> anything about Disney Kite Tales that fans of the show might not know that you would be able to share with them, either from its conception to it running now? Any detail, small or large, small or blue sized? <laughs> may, you may or may not know this, but I'm going to just go through it a little bit again um, because I feel like it's great information to have. So for those super fans out there, I'm sure you are already aware. Um, but for those of you that may be new to Disney Kite Tales, um, make sure that you view the show at least for, uh, for the first time from the Dino Land side of the amphitheater because what you don't hear us you know, gushing and talking about um, are the other things that happen in the house preparing for the show and then during the show. So while the kites on the lagoon are the, are the main event, there is a very much uh, a very layered uh, experience happening inside of that theater that has an energy and, a, and, and an interactivity about it that you don't get from standing on the side and watching it, that you don't get from you know, standing over in Asia and, and just catching the, the bits of the kites flying. So definitely if you haven't done that, uh, do that, sit there. Um, and also there are two different versions of the show. So there's the Jungle Book version of the show and the Lion King version of the show. So uh, they alternate throughout the day. They, you'll see them at different times during the day. So you at least will always be able to see two completely different shows. Um, but to your point earlier, you know, the shows are, are slightly different every time because of the weather factors at play, because of the things that, you know, we can't control because they're nature. <laughs> um, so seeing the show on different days at different times will, in fact, give you a little bit of a different experience. Um, the other thing I would say is that, you know, that that big open space in Asia, that's one of our kite landing areas, in case you didn't know. Because uh, <laughs> there has been uh, a little bit of, of, of question and confusion of, hey, why can't I sit here? Or, or hey, why, you know, why, why are these kites always going over here? Well, that is, in fact, one of our landing areas. <laughs> 
It's so nice to have you on to confirm that, like, it's okay. This is where they're supposed to be. We can all laugh and enjoy it. And we're not laughing at it. We are laughing with it because it's a beautiful show. And then sometimes Baloo gets bopped on the head and it's very entertaining. Absolutely. Um, if you and if you watch, you know, on your on your third, fourth, fifth viewing of the show, depending on, you know, how how many times you've seen it in succession, um, you can also see the the rest of our cast members, you know, after we've landed those kites, you know, they go and collect the kites and reset them so that we can do them again for the next show. So that's really an interesting uh, piece of logistics to watch if that's something that you're into. <laughs> Yeah, it really is like because if you sit in the main seating, as you mentioned, you get to see truly cast members being exemplary, just the the energy, everything they're putting forward, even the people that greet you as you walk into the show is uh, unbelievable. Like I my myself and my friends were remarking about how good every single person there was and how excited they were to be there. And then once you see it there, you can go to the other side. And I I haven't done this yet, but be right by the kites when they land, which is a, I would call it like Kite Tales' splash zone, I suppose. I, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't heard that before. <laughs> Oh, but no, I just you're you're absolutely right. The cast members uh, in the Dinoland Theater, you know, our operations cast are are great and supportive and wonderful with getting everybody in and out of the house and making sure everybody's having a good and comfortable time. And even our our cast members that are in the in the theater, you know, that are that are essentially puppeteering all of those big props that we have, you know, they are that my goodness, they are some of the most energetic, wonderful casts that I've I've seen in quite a while. So I, I agree absolutely with what you're saying is that everybody is just so happy to be there. And I think everybody is just so happy to be doing something new for the 50th, for the guests, especially after not having quite as much to do in the past few years as we would have hoped. Totally. And the energy at this show in particular is so palpable that it just it makes it so much more exciting. So Mm -hmm. thank you for creating uh, my all time favorite show. (laughs) I love it so much. You're welcome. I really feel like I'm in like a winner's circle just to be able to chat with someone about Kite Tales. So I really appreciate it. No, happy to do it. I'm I'm just excited to see that, that folks like you are really enjoying it. <laughs> a, a really enjoying it might be an understatement, but yes. Uh, like it's Fair we, <laughs> uh, we t- I'm telling you, we're, people are texting about it all day because it's so good. And thank you so much for making something this majestic real. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we are running for the entirety of the celebration. So if, if you if you're not in Florida, if you don't have a chance to see it right now, don't panic. Um, we've got at least another year uh, of shows for you. Yes. And if you go to Disney World and you do not see this show, you did it wrong. <laughs> I'm going to make that into into a mantra or something. Yes. <laughs> I walk into the park next time and there's a movie poster. and I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I've seen that before. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on Very Amusing. This was uh, as entertaining as a showing of Disney Kite Tales. Well, wonderful. Thanks for having me. Yes, that's right. You can see Disney Kite Tales at Disney's Animal Kingdom each and every day for at least the next 18 months at Walt Disney World Resort. As you heard here today... You want to sit down and see the full show. I know I'm just the same way that you probably are where you're like, oh, I'll just stick my head in and check out these kites. No, no, no. Get there early. Get a good seat. Watch the whole thing. You won't regret it. And let me know when you do, because I love to spread the word on this wonderful show. Ah, it's the best. 
Okay, you know that feeling that everyone knows something that you don't? For me, that used to be Quince, but no more. Quince is a truly astounding retailer, essentially carrying everything a person on your mood board would wear. We're talking washable silk blouses, chic leather bags, 14 karat gold jewelry, European linen dresses, and the best part of all is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They're out here with $50 Mongolian cashmere sweaters. $50! Beautiful, timeless items you can wear and actually live in. Meaning, you don't have to be scared to bring them on your theme park travels. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you're sensitive to retailers like I am, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. But it's not just your everyday work-life clothes. They have everything. I recently joined a new gym, big deal for me, and desperately needed new workout clothes to wear there. It's kind of like an LA gym, so like it kind of got to look cute. So I ordered a pair of their Ultraform bike shorts and high-rise pocket leggings. And when I tell you, the quality of these leggings is truly on par with brands I paid three times as much for, which really kind of makes me love these three times more. I'm not only going to buy them again, but actually buy the other travel stuff in my cart because they have things like beautiful pastel suitcases for 129 bucks and these wildly affordable compression packing cubes that I have been waiting forever to buy compression packing cubes and they're always so pricey and here the price fits. So if you want to get ready for work, your new gym, travel, anything in your life, go to Quince. Quince.com slash amusing will get you free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Ooh, that's nice for someone who puts stuff off like I do. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash amusing to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash amusing. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah Baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Carly, my name is Michelle, and I'm from Southern California. I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller, and I just heard your podcast about the Walt Disney World 50th celebration and that you had a conversation with the head chef, and he recommended something, but you never said the item. <laughs> I was just curious to see what it was that the head chef recommends out of the blue food. Thanks, and have a magical day. Bye. Ooh, yeah. Um, I'll just be real with you. Last week's podcast came out, as some might say, by the grace of God, because I finished it at 2 a.m. I didn't even get files to Jeff Fox in time, so he did a segment of it, and I had to pretend I knew how to edit a podcast and shoved it all together, which uh, it was held together by glue and tape. (laughs) 
I think uh, if you heard, I heard there were volume level issues. I was trying to correct that truly at like two ten in the morning, and we uh, we we got over the finish line, but it it was not pretty. So I apologize for being like, yeah, 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 it's going to be talked about in this episode, and then it literally never was. So I actually don't know if I was told the name of the drink at the time, but thankfully Disney Food Blog, they're the real ones. They know literally everything about Disney food, and. They have a story about it. It is sold at Sleepy Hollow Refreshments, and the drink is called the Doom Berry, D-O-O-M, Doom Berry, and it is blackberry ginger beer with iridescent sugar and is meant to be served with a Haunted Mansion straw. Oh, no, I think that means they didn't they didn't get one. Oh, no. Okay, wait, I'm reading this in real time. Oh, they didn't have them available. Oh, bummer. That's supposed to be like the best part is that it's blue and sparkly and comes with a Haunted Mansion straw. But let's see what the team said. They said, you really have to like ginger to enjoy this. Okay, I didn't taste it. I just saw it on a table, but it is $4.99. So let me know if you get the doom, Barry, and what you think. Because if someone who doesn't like blue food created it, then it might be worth a shot. Hope that helps. And sorry again. It was just a wild week, you know? Oh, it happens. Hi, Carly. Um, My name is Ash uh, from New York, New York. Huge fan of you and the podcast. I can't believe this is the first time I'm calling. I, like, wanted you for so long. But um, so I'm going to be getting married July 2022. And uh, my sister, like, empowered me to really say that I wanted to do my bachelorette at Disney World. So uh, me and some of my bridesmaids and some of my close friends will be doing a bachelorette in Disney World in June of 2022. And I know that you also had your bachelorette there. So I would love some tips and advice. We're doing a Thursday arrival and a Sunday cutting out. We're thinking of definitely doing a night that's like a little more like traditional bachelorette with like dinner and drinks and um, not going to a park. So I was thinking like Disney Springs or the Boardwalk, huge theme park person, huge Disney theme park person. So don't need to ride or do everything. I kind of wanted a little more catered to a bachelorette vibe and would love your thoughts. Thanks for all you do. Well, here's the thing. I did my bachelorette party as my first adult trip to Walt Disney World, so I knew some stuff, but I really did a lot of stuff wrong. Anything I did right was because of my friend Jenna, who worked at Disney World at the time, and really put me on the right path. But some of the decisions I made on my own were not very good. So I'm thrilled to be able to rectify that situation for you right now. My main piece of advice is going to be to have a group parent. There needs to be someone who is in charge of all the plans, who is looking at the day's itinerary, what rides to hit, where you're going, if you're park hopping. And it's easiest if that's one organized person. Think of it as like the Christie to your babysitter's club of bachelorette pals. You know what I mean? Someone has to kind of be on top of everything and lead the group wherever you're headed. Since you're calling in, I feel like it might be you, which is totally okay. I planned my own bachelorette party because that's just the type of person I am. So just keep that in mind. Whoever it is, is fine. But it might end up being you. For your non-park dinner, I'd likely just do Disney Springs because you can meander around easily. And that way, it's more than just going out to a meal. I personally have not been to the Disney Springs STK because I'm way too old to be eating somewhere with a live DJ. No, thank you. But If you don't want that type of bachelorette vibe, I'd recommend Wine Bar George. It is so lovely. 
It's a wonderful spot to hang out and also be able to hear each other. And they have this one larger table on the ground floor that's like a little tucked away. And it's got a seat between maybe eight to 10 people, possibly 12. And unlike a Disney restaurant where everything is through the website, and if you call, you wait for a couple hours to get a human on the phone. If you call Wine Bar George, you will speak directly to the staff at Wine Bar George. So it would be so much easier to make accommodations for a larger party, which I assume you will have on a bachelorette. Another tip is that I would absolutely travel with a few boxes of granola bars or at least do a grocery delivery once you arrive. Because if you plan on getting a hot breakfast on your park days or honestly just like leaving it up to, all right, I guess we'll go get food now, you will never make it into the parks before noon. You just won't. You won't. It is so much easier to just shove a chewy bar at everyone and run to the parks. It's the only way you're going to get moving in the morning. So I also usually don't get Starbucks in the morning because of this too, because it takes way too long. So just chug a Joffrey's, chug a hotel coffee, grab some food and go because you want to really maximize that park day, especially if you're really only there for a weekend. As for the bulk of your trip, I wouldn't make too many daytime meal reservations at the parks because you'll likely just meander around. And because you'll be traveling at a time when Disney Genie is up and running, you'll probably be able to make those mobile orders and dining plans on the go way easier than ever before, especially for a group of your size. For nighttime, though, I would definitely book at least one table service restaurant. You're going to want to hit Epcot hard, but given that you'll likely be drinking, be absolutely sure you have a sit-down dinner locked and loaded. I had my bachelorette dinner at San Angel Inn inside the Mexico Pavilion, and I think that's probably exactly what I'd recommend to you as well. You got food, you got drinks, you got air conditioning, you got large portions of food that two people can split if they're not as hungry. It kind of checks every box, and the ambiance is perfect for a celebration like this. On our last morning, everyone had different afternoon flights, so we actually ended up doing a very hungover and extremely tired character brunch at a hotel, which worked out so well. We didn't need park admission. We got to do something very silly on our way out, and we have a super embarrassing photo of all of us looking exhausted at the Grand Floridian. So for a different kind of memory, I also recommend that. But my last bit of planning advice for you, and this is coming from someone who was a camp counselor for many, many years, so it's just oozing out of my pores at this point. It is that when one person goes to the bathroom, everybody has got to go to the bathroom. I'm telling you, if you don't, you will be stopping at the bathroom every nine minutes. So trust me on this. Just shove people in and make them go pee. Also, focus less on everyone getting a matchy-matchy shirt and more on group mementos you actually need. I'm not sure if your friends are as well Disney-versed as you are, but I bought everyone a cell phone charger and gave it to them at my bachelorette party, and it was maybe the smartest thing I've ever done, because that way everyone had extra juice, and it was kind of insurance that we wouldn't lose anyone from their phone dying. Because you are going in June, I would up that and absolutely recommend buying everyone a rechargeable handheld fan. I have a very specific favorite one of these that I was introduced to by Chelsea, aka Styled by Magic. I love her. Gotta follow her. She's the best. That I actually wrote about in the New York Times on their wire cutter website. So I'll plop that link in the show notes for you. But better yet, They come in white, so you can have your most creative friend just use like puffy paint or Sharpies to do like some shading to look like 3D letters to write like bride on it. I don't know, but you can decorate them and trick them out to make them like a fun little bachelorette gift that everyone can survive (laughs) in the parks with because they will absolutely need it. Just make sure to 
carry all those individual batteries and the chargers in your carry-on bag because you can't check them through. Otherwise, I think like TSA will literally yank you off a plane. So just be weary of that. You want to follow all the rules for batteries because both of those fall under that. I hope that's helpful. I hope you have the best bachelorette party. And if you have any other questions, please let me know. Thank you so much for calling. Hi, Carly. My name is Haley calling from South Florida. I actually ran into you on the 50th and it was so amazing to actually meet you in person. I do have a food related question and I knew you were the perfect person to ask. My fiance and I are actually getting married in Walt Disney World on November 20th and then having our honeymoon in Disneyland on December 26th. This will be our first time in Disneyland and we will be staying until New Year's. I wanted to know what food or restaurant recommendations you had for us first timers because we both know that food is one of the most important parts of a Disney trip. Our window to book opens on October 27th and I want to make sure that I'm not going to make any rookie mistakes. Anyways, I love the podcast and all you do. Thank you so much. Bye. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad we got to hang out in person while I was at Disney World. And of course, congrats on your engagement and imminent wedding. Oh, wow. First time visit to Disneyland that is also a honeymoon is double exciting. And I am not about to mess this up for you. So here goes nothing. Since it is your honeymoon, I'm going to recommend a mix of price points. You should definitely do at least one super nice dinner. My pick would be Napa Rose. It has the best food across Disneyland Resort, in my opinion, and it's quite upscale. So it's a perfect romantic dinner for when you just want to take a little break, just a little break from being inside the parks while still being within the Disney bubble. You also want to do probably one special in-park restaurant. I usually recommend Carthay Circle, but since it's your first trip, I'd actually push you towards Blue Bayou instead. Carthay has gotten really expensive, and eating inside of a Disney attraction, inside, inside Pirates of the Caribbean, inside the ride, is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and will pack way more celebratory punch than a California adventure restaurant, in my opinion. Just my opinion. I know I'm going to get some heat for this, but that's where I land. And if you're someone who happens to drink alcoholic drinks, you can now get a glass of sparkling wine, aka champagne. It's from France and it's sparkling. It's it's not technically champagne, but you know what I mean. So you can have a little toast while sitting alongside pirates and seeing the boats pass by, which I think will be a wonderful little honeymoon special. And last but not least, if you really want to do character dining, there's a really, really nice princess breakfast at Disney's Grand Californian Hotel and Spa, also at Napa Rose, but I'd recommend a Disneyland park breakfast at Plaza Inn. Being able to see characters and enjoy the park in the morning, especially since it's your honeymoon, will be so nice because that way you can always return to the Plaza Inn as, as somewhere you went on your honeymoon. And that way, unlike Blue Bayou or Napa Rose, you can go there casually for lunch and dinner because it's counter service. You can just go and get fried chicken or just go get a, a slice of cake on future Disneyland trips knowing that you shared that special honeymoon breakfast there with characters. Oh, it sounds so nice. I mean, the same is true for any of the restaurants I mentioned, but especially there, especially there. And if you wanted to squeeze one more place in, I would say Lamplight Lounge, especially just to guarantee you have a sit-down reservation locked and loaded for while you're at Disney California Adventure. But beyond that, that's that's all the recommendations I got for you. Congratulations and have the best time. Hi, Carly. This is Jeff from Pennsylvania. Hey, I have two questions for you. My first is, if Disney were to add a fifth gate, what would you want it to be themed for? And the second is, if you could put an international park anywhere, where would it be? Thanks, Carly. Can't wait to hear your answers. Bye. 
Ooh, ooh, okay. I would love to kind of see a park themed entirely to animated characters and stories. Kind of like a full-blown fantasy land, but just built around different themed film worlds. This is also the practical side of my brain at work, knowing, you know, the current corporate structure and how it operates. And because of that, I think this is the most feasible plan, especially because they're building Frozen and Peter Pan attractions overseas and that wonderful looking new Beauty and the Beast section of Tokyo Disneyland. I know, I know it might not make a lot of sense because there is already Fantasyland. But then again, we have Beauty and the Beast at Magic Kingdom and Disney's Hollywood Studios. So never say never. Anything is possible. Isn't that a theme of all, all those all those movies? I can dream, right? I can dream. I just envision this very lush green kind of like fairyland covered in moss with trees and running water throughout. Something that's basically the middle ground between Animal Kingdom and Fantasyland. I just think it would be really nice. It would be like natural and and vibrant and I don't want to compare nature to like uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory <laughs> and that like whole like candy garden, but basically that, but just with some more Tinkerbell. You know what I mean? I think it'd be a really nice vibe. As for an international park anywhere, oh my gosh, I think I'd have to go for Australia. One, for selfish reasons, because I've never been there. And also because if this last year has shown anything, they're just like stuck over there on that rock. They can't get to us. We can't get to them. It is a whole other planet that maybe we will be able to visit in like 2027. Who knows? They were so extremely locked down during COVID. And I feel like they deserve a Disney park that isn't so far away because they were stuck without one for so many months. So because of that, I would probably go with Australia, even if I don't know if there's value there, like a theme park revenue wise. But if it was up to me not thinking about numbers, Australia deserves one somewhere in Australia. Sydney, who knows? They just deserve a park and I want them to have one. That's our show. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you to Lindsay for coming on to discuss everything Kite Tales. Oh, what a joy. You can find more episodes of Very Amusing over on Apple Podcasts, where, oh, how convenient now that we're just talking about that. You can also rate and review our show. As you know, this whole joint is free, but the only currency exchanged is to review us or to rate us. Five stars, please. And subscribe, or as they say in Apple lingo, follow Very Amusing by clicking the teeny tiny so small you can't really see it button in the top of the show page. It takes about seven seconds and is extremely confusing, but deeply appreciated. So thank you, thank you, thank you. That stuff matters a lot. Reviews, ratings, if people subscribe, it's it's a big deal. And I thank each and every one of you who has taken the time to do it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You can find me, Carly Wiesel, at Carly Wiesel on Twitter and Instagram, as well as on my Facebook group, The Fomaly, at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. I am... Uh, I don't even want to say this, rather begrudgingly back on TikTok due to some very worthwhile professional advice that I ignored and then finally succumbed to. So you will maybe find me there. I haven't decided yet. I posted one this week. We'll see. We'll see. It's not my it's not my ideal format. I feel a little like a, like a clown doing a dance when it comes to that style of social media, but we'll, we'll see. I'll probably keep posting. Ugh. 
Oh, I'm gonna have to do it. If only life would be so much easier if I was the girl who reheated the rice with the ice cube. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But I can't. That's not me. That's not me. Oh, it's right. Even just thinking about TikTok is stressing me out. I'm spiraling. Okay, moving on. This episode was edited punctiliously by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, sweetie, I just finished your podcast. It's very late at night, and I have to be quiet so I don't wake Dad. But it was really, really good. I can't believe, I don't even know where I have so many things to say, that the Magic Kingdom's 50th anniversary sounded like the best time. It was so nice to see you reunite with all your friends. It's so great. It made me so happy. And when you said about the happily ever after, that it's going to be gone, that is my favorite thing. I live for that. I am so sad about that. Hopefully they'll bring it back because I really, really love it. Um, I heard you went to Club Cool, and my last memory was the day they were closing it. It was the last day. I think it was two years ago, maybe. And you and I was about 100 degrees, and you and I went into Club Cool, and we just stayed in there for like 25 minutes drinking Coke. It was so much fun. Um, I heard you say you went to Walgreens for the COVID test. I'm very proud of you. You are so responsible, and I love that so much. Um, I hope you had a great time, and it sounds like you had a good media event, and I love that you ate the, the bread that was the display bread. <laughs> I wish I was there. So much fun. Um, as far as the Bride of Frankenstein costume that you brought up, I have the picture, and I'd be happy to post it on Instagram if you'd like me to. It is the cutest thing ever. Okay, getting back to Disney, your closet, when you were talking about your clothes, is like the greatest Disney adventure between your purses and your pins and your and your um, ears. It, it is such a great place. I love being in your closet. Anyways, it was a wonderful, wonderful podcast. And when I heard me at the end, I forgot about that because it's been a week or two. And when I heard it, me crying and how wonderful Paris trip was, it was, I started crying again. So I had to calm myself down and call you. And while I'm calm now and say wonderful podcast, and again, thank you for Paris. It was heaven. I love you. Bye, honey. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.